Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello, everybody, and welcome to AfterBuzz TV. We're so excited to have you here for Aquarius uh, Episode 5 called A Change is Gonna Come. Um, we're just so excited to have you guys here tonight. And uh, so we just want to tell you right when we start, you know, to subscribe to YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, you know, whatever you can to follow us, tweet at us, give us all your comments. Uh, we also have a new survey called Podcast One. Um, it's a 30-second survey that you can just take. You know, we love hearing from you guys, so we want to hear all your feedback, and you can tell everything to us right there. So try to do that if you can. I'm your host, Paige Bonanno, and I'm joined by... I'm Guy Davids. Just, yeah, fill out that that podcast, that, what is it, that survey. Yeah. Even if you don't like me, just tell me you don't like <laughs> me so I know I can improve, right? Exactly. We like so, to hear the feedback, you know, see how we can improve. So but You can find me on Twitter, to tweet me during the show, at Guy and a Girl Show, Facebook, the whole shebang. Thank you. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Paige Bonanno. All right. So, Aquarius, episode five. How did you like the episode? What would you think? That was my favorite episode. Yeah. It feels like everything's... I understood that episode better. Right. I, I, like, I think I did too, to be honest. It's the first episode I watched the whole thing without having to stop and rewind and try and Google, and I actually understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's developing. We always talk about... Is it about Manson? Is it about a period piece? Is it about... It's it's a period piece, yeah. which is what the show's about, because we saw the Black Panther movement. We, there's a lot to cover. Right, I feel like this one definitely showed that, too, because we barely... I mean, we saw Manson here and there, and but it was mainly about, you know, the, the case that happened and and the racism that went along with it and everything. Yeah, he's really become sort of the figurehead, but it's showcasing the 60s right now, which is making it more enjoyable. And now we know the character development and everything. We know a lot more. I feel... I just I feel like I'm, I'm learning names it. now finally like okay so this person did this this person did this you know? same I didn't write down one name today <laughs> to look at yeah exactly I know them right yeah so let's just you know we'll dive in start from the beginning uh, so right away uh, the first scene we kind of get in and we see all the girls in the bedroom and one of them singing kind of calling to Cherry even though she wasn't really calling to Cherry Cherry Pop you know uh, <laughs> Emma and um, Charlie com- the one girl says you know uh, when Charlie wants us to find Emma uh, he'll let us find her. And basically then Charlie comes in and starts again with his brainwashing and saying, you know, the man wants us to react and, you know, we're we're always going to act about it. What did yeah. you think about that I scene? I mean, it was a short scene. It didn't necessarily have to be there, but they put it there to, I think, really just showcase the manipulation mm-hmm. and the power, once again, Manson has over these people. It's all about Charlie. Exactly. Charlie. What's Charlie going to do? Why isn't Charlie going to go get Emma? And then he comes and reassures them. Mm-hmm. And it's just really showcasing what he has over these innocent girls that have really lost their way. And the he's power sort of that he has. Upon. So, 
Exactly. I, and that's why I think that was in there because there was no much point to that. Just how they were reacting to it, Emma's. Exactly. It was just another thing to just show, you know, all the the strong power talk that tra- Charlie's trying to tell them and get him to follow, get them to follow him and whatnot. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. So then we move into after that. You know, they say, oh. Charlie will help us find Emma when he wants us to. And then we move in. We see Emma at home with uh, Grace and Ken. So we see them at the dinner table. And, you know, uh, Emma leaves. And then they're talking. And they're like, we're always, we're, we're going to put on a show. You know, we're going to, or that wasn't the dinner table scene. But they did talk about putting on a show. And Grace is like, you can go on business. Right? Yeah, yeah. Grace wakes him up. He's sleeping on the couch. Right, right, right. And right, sort right. of condescendingly says, you know, thank you for telling me where Emma is finally, and then pretty much calling him weak, right? Saying you know they're not a couple, but they're going to stay together just because of their daughter, and yeah. really, really laying it out. She goes, "Wow, you finally did one thing right by finding out where Emma was." Yeah, and, yeah. and she was like, "We're going to fool everybody." That's what she said, and it's just like, do, does she know he's gay? Uh, that, I feel like that's or, still kind of a. Or does she just think he's really weak? I think that she thinks he's weak. I she I feel like she must have an inclination that you know she's got to have a feeling. Yeah, because I mean, he, and he's doing all this weird stuff. Like he's just a weird dude. His mind's just full. Because the fact that you know he's 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 a homosexual in times where homosexuality is frowned upon, illegal, mm-hmm. and he's a and he's involved in the Republican Party. Who particularly right. frowns upon homosexuals right. at that time? And he's a lawyer, you know. He has this big, so big he, job, and he's a big partner in it. And I mean, he's just he's just completely lost his way. And now Grace is trying to, you know, just set them straight mm-hmm. just for the sake of Emma right now because Emma is so vulnerable, which right. we saw. And then instantly after that, we see Sam and Grace in bed together. So then we cut to that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, quite a cut, but um, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean. That they love each other. They right. confess they love each other. That show. And we get back to you know the whole love scene. So I guess we're going to see what happens with that as we go on. But yeah. So then after that, you know, we kind of move into the riot scene. You know, when uh, Bunchy's there with his Black Panthers and they're talking about how uh, Cassius was burned in his house. Yeah. So yeah. So we get back to you know really showcasing the '60s. Mm-hmm. We have the Black Panther movement, which I think started in California. And I think the best way to describe him was really the opposite of Martin Luther King. There are civil rights, African-American movement with the four, you know, peace, equality mm-hmm. for African-Americans. Mm-hmm. But they promote violence, mm-hmm. whereas Martin Luther King promoted peace. Exactly. So like they're the opposite of that's the best way to describe him. And well, yeah, what, what do we have going on? We have a, a African-American mm-hmm. who was burned to death. Right. Because he was involved, because they thought he was sort of, you know, going against the African-American exactly. Black Panther movement, mm-hmm. which Hodiak was investigating. Right, and they start talking about, uh, you know, the man that died three days ago, which is uh, Michael Unger, and, you know, how the police aren't doing anything about that. So then they're not going to give up what happened to Cassius because they're upset about Michael Unger because nothing's happening for him. Like, the cops don't even care. A cop might potentially be involved in it. So, you know, you kind of get all that. And they they said, they said, Uncle Sam dies in a fire and you all come running, but and but I'm, they can't do anything for Michael Unger, who is just a regular a teenager, and he's he's an African-American teenager in, in that time. And it, yeah, I like how they did that, too, because situations like that obviously happen so much where... 
you know, police brutality towards black people, Mm -hmm. probably some murders, unsolved cases, police turning a blind eye. Mm -hmm. And they showcased that with this particular triangle where it was retaliation for the Michael Young murder who they're not investigating Mm -hmm. because Tolson, the cops, seems to be involved. Exactly. So it's all coming together. But... Which, you know, this still happens today with mm-hmm. the Fergusons and the, all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is 50 years on and we're still getting this sort of thing, but not to the same extent of the Black Panther movement of the 60s. Right. But I, I like the way they showcased it. I thought it was right. It was good. Definitely, yeah. And then, I mean, we go into, you know, kind of Sam talking to the Black Panther Party more and, you know, he, he enters and wanted to identify himself and they weren't really having it. And then, like, he said that he wanted to help and they were like you know no black man in this neighborhood will ever help you no matter what from now on so i thought that was pretty interesting too yeah and it's just another thing you just wouldn't get away with these days mm-hmm. like you know stopping a detective doing his job exactly that just wouldn't happen right they, they literally put a gun they had guns to him and stopped him yeah. doing his job stop it stopped him arresting later on in the show the guy that they believe the suspect that did it mm-hmm. which would never happen these days but just shows the you know, the racial divide in mm-hmm. the 60s again. And, you know, um, Sam's playing this with, you know, open arms. He's looking, he wants Tolson questioned, mm-hmm. his fellow cop, mm-hmm. and he's been accused of, you know, going against his... And it seems like Sam's the only one in this case that actually wants Tolson questioned at all. And it seems like Sam, you know, we, we've kind of said that Sam's like kind of this laid-back cop that doesn't always go by the rules. And it seems like he really wants to get this case figured out because he he wants to figure out Cassius. So in order to do that, he has to figure out Michael Unger. So it's like, it's... And yeah, that's it's just all in a circle. It's all bunched together, and it's all in a circle, and nobody can figure out anything because nobody will help the first case, and you know everybody just gets upset about it. Yeah, we we found that out this episode that Sam doesn't go by the book. Mm-hmm. What he does sometimes to get witnesses to confess or suspects to confess mm-hmm. can be borderline unethical, borderline illegal. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he wants the best interest of everyone in the end. He wants to get the right result. Exactly. He wants to get the case solved and get to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. which he sort of seems to be a moral sort of guy in a weird sense, especially with the way he's handling his son, which I we agree. see later. Especially, and not to get too far ahead, but in the end, uh, near the end, when he's talking to... He's he's trying to figure it out with the new lieutenant, and he's like, you know, we need to get this question, we need to get this figured out, and is so serious about it, and so by the book. And then right when he goes out and sees Brian, then he's kind of like, eh, you know, I, I don't know, we'll figure it out. And Brian's like, well, you're not going to do anything again. And he's like, you know what, it's not a big deal, blah blah blah. So I feel like he's kind of like behind the scenes. He's really trying to like go by the book and and figure out everything. But then when he gets in front of yeah. Brian, because we always say, we're like, oh, Brian and him, like, you know, they don't really get along, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like he's just ca- trying to put on this facade in front of Brian, but then in he, in actual reality, he is really trying to help. He is. I like the relation. And just think about this. Think about you're a detective, a white detective in the 60s, mm-hmm. and you're actually listening to the Black Panthers' accusations that your fellow cop mm-hmm. was involved in a black person's murder i mean you would never mm-hmm. want your cop your your police officer questioned right but sam's actually that open prepared to right find out the whole truth which i thought was very surprising and i mean the lieutenant even says he's like you think that this uh 
the police here are ever going to let it out that a white cop uh, had to do with a black teenager's murder. Like, we're never going to let that out. We're never going to let anybody know that. And, yeah, he, he's, he's jeopardizing his safety right doing this well one thing we know about him he's tough as nails mm-hmm. i mean he doesn't he doesn't i think sam should be the lieutenant he should and he knock that other guy right off he's not intimidated by anyone mm-hmm. sometimes i'm watching i'm like don't go up to them there's two african americans with guns in your face and then there's manson you're going to his place by him so he, sam doesn't care he doesn't care he just i mean for for the times for everything like he just doesn't you know he's just Trying to do it's his like, job. I survived okay. World War Two. You don't bother me. I mean, he's you know? a badass. So, I mean, that's just. I love it. I, I love the way he's playing this role, David Duchovny. I think it's <sighs> phenomenal. I know. I know. Um, anyway, so then after that, we kind of get into the scene of Emma going back to school, and you know, she's in the car with her mom, and uh, she's like, "Oh, so we're just going to go back and pretend like nothing happened?" And the mom's like, "Nothing did happen." So again, we see Grace trying to just put everything behind her, act like nothing happened, just put on a whole facade, uh, pretend like their family's this perfect model family when obviously everything's like falling falling apart yeah. at the scenes. I mean, this is so interesting to me because the last thing you want is your daughter to run back. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. <laughs> How would you handle this in her situation? Because it's an awful situation right. to be in as a mother. Oh. And I don't know how you handle it. How I don't would know I, oh, right how I handle it as Grace? Yeah, how would you I handle it? I don't know. I mean, I feel like they never really talked about it because, you know, at the beginning we see that Emma's home and then we have the dinner table scene when, you know, Ken gets up and takes a phone call and then Grace and Emma are talking to each other and she's like, you know, the bad guys, they always search for... I yeah, don't know what she that said. That was the one bit of advice she sort of got. That was was that's all she really that's said. That's all she said. She was like, bad guys always go looking for trouble, basically. you know. And that's all they talked about. And then all of a sudden, they're in the car, and she's like, oh, remember when you were little? We did this. We did that. And I'm like, you need to actually talk about what happened with uh, the Manson family and what Emma was doing and how she is now. Like, obviously, she's kind of going to be a little messed up, and she you can tell that she wants to go back there because she wasn't trying to leave in the first place. So I feel like the mom really... I mean, Grace didn't do that great of a job, and I mean, for me, I don't know how I would handle it because I'm not a mom, but I mean, if I was, I would like to think that I would handle it a little bit better just because, I mean, she didn't really, they didn't talk about anything, so how can you expect it to get better? Yeah, I do feel for Grace a bit because you have a troubled child, a problem Mm -hmm. child, and you're terrified. Right. She's terrified inside, so she's almost too terrified to talk to her about it. Exactly. In fear of complete retaliation and yeah. rebellion, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just... But in actual fact, she probably has to. She has to establish right. that mum mother daughter relationship again. And, I mean, Grace just has so much on her plate right now. Like, everything with her daughter and everything with Ken, and she just feels like she has no one to turn yeah, to, Yeah, what's she going on? She's got a daughter that's just running away, well, a troubled know- daughter. She has a husband who's in the closet... High-profile lawyer, weak as water, Republican, and then she's having an affair with her ex-boyfriend, who's the detective. You know what's really weird when you think about it is that Emma and her father are both sleeping with the same man. Now Mm -hmm. that's messed up. I never thought of it. Right when I when they were at the dinner table, I was like, ooh. Ooh. Oh, gosh, come on. Right? I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. So, I mean, I, obviously Grace doesn't know that at this point, but... But imagine she found that out. She will later. Well, I'm sure she knows that Emma was sleeping with him, but... <laughs> Did the, she... Uh, the, the, she doesn't... I don't, I don't think Emma knows. 
Oh, well, oh I don't think. It. Well, Emma like definitely saw them together and thinks that something weird's going on, but I don't think that she thinks that they've slept together. I mean, the way you put that was just yeah, creepy. The dad and the daughter, right? That's creepy. That, okay. that, that's gone the wrong way on okay, me. Let's move on. <laughs> so then but we you're see right. <laughs> you're spot exactly. On. I never thought of it like exactly. that. Exactly. So then we see, you know, they're the. Grace and Emma are trying to reconcile and so she pretends like she's going off to school she has this little bow in her hair as if she's this perfect little child oh it's not no big deal I was just doing all this crazy stuff now I'm going back to school so she goes back to school tries to escape and little does she know we have Joe Wilson the babysitter come up and he's like "Uh, where do you think you're going and she's like and he's like, I'm your new babysitter. I so, love that moment. I know. I was like, okay, Joe Wilson coming in strong. He's obviously the old, you know, hard-ass detective that's a bit short on money and wants to make a few bucks. So he's babysitting Emma and he's not letting her out of her sight. <laughs> exactly. <you know? laughs> exactly. It was yeah. good because she was just about to walk out of school and back. She was going to go gone. straight back. But I love how, like, her costume, how they had, like, the bow in her hair. I'm like, you just have to play her like she's some, like, little pristine child. Yeah, I'm sorry. Grace played that wrong, didn't she? Dressing her up, sending her back to school exactly. the first day. Well, she's just, like we said, trying to make it look like she's a model family. Let's forgive and forget. Mm-hmm. When natural fact, there are deeper problems there that need to be addressed, obviously. Exactly. Yep. And then, so then we see Sam tries to ask the the guy in the restaurant. His, his name was Nate. We, he tries to ask him um, who burned Cassius. And then Sam says, he says that Sam's not his friend. He's like, basically, I'm not going to be friends with a white man. And, you know, Nate... And Sam, it seemed like they had a good relationship before, but now that all this racism and violence is going on, it seems like he just won't yeah, won't um, have anything to do with it. Yeah, Sam looks shocked then, too. Yeah, it seems like they were friends. It, right, exactly. And then he says, you know, a good kid wound up dead probably because he likes the cops. So it's just like everything has to do with, you know, being white or black and... In the cops again, this whole it's all circles. This whole racial divide of the sixty and the cops, and it's it's fascinating to me. Some that never lived in the sixties, obviously, but right. even though I look like with these wrinkles, but um, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, you look so old. It's good to it's good to see because the sixties was the most probably the most influential decade of the twentieth right. century for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So then uh, after that, we get into this scene at the Peach Pussycat again. We go back to there. We with, love that name with, with the Peach Pussycat. I can't really say it. And then we see uh, Nate, or not Nate, just that Nate. We see Lucille and we see Brian, and we're introduced to a new character who I think is going to be very important, Jimmy Two. What do you think about Jimmy Two? Um, I mean, Brian's great at going undercover. Oh my god, he, I know. Yeah, I mean, he he he, he finds them. He yeah. finds the right connections. You know, mm-hmm. um, Jimmy Two is going to play a bigger part coming up. Well, especially because we find out that Jimmy Two's father was Manson's cellmate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Which, yeah. So Jimmy's dad was Manson's cellmate. So that's a huge thing. And we know that like Brian's trying to get uh Jimmy to somewhere near Manson and form this connection with them. Yeah, so I like that's how that's playing out. So he's gonna be around Jimmy too. We don't know much about him yet. He was sort of quiet. He didn't say that much, but mm-hmm. we know we know his background. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna be around. I'm so, just Right. Again, I haven't watched past this episode of you. No, I haven't. I, I don't know if I, I, I kind of want to, and then I kind of don't, just because I want to go along with... Yeah, don't, because the then we can't make predictions. Exactly. We can't even do the segment. But it's kind of weird that they, all the episodes came out at the same time. 
yeah, again, I don't know what was a Netflix thing. Were they trying to compete with them? I don't know. But right. I'm going episode to episode, yeah. and I've decided so are you. Okay, all right. Well, I guess that's what we're going to do then. <laughs> because, the pe- I mean, there might be listeners that know the whole thing. Just try and put yourselves in our heads right. that we only know the end of episode five. Exactly. So, but uh, Jimmy, too, is going to play an important part. Right. I don't know what's happened to Charmaine. I love yeah, her, where's she's Charmaine? She's she hasn't gone. been in the last... She's gone. She's, they just, you know, she's gone. We haven't seen her in the last two episodes now. No, I noticed. I really thought I was going to see a big part of it today. I, I was know. waiting well, for her. I didn't see her. I feel... Well, okay, well, hopefully... Yeah, she wasn't in it at all. Maybe she'll... She's got to make a return next week. This is how bad, like, the Australian version of, like, Hollywood is, that she was talked up all over Australia as having this big NBC role in this new oh, David yeah. Duchovny show, Aquarius, and she hadn't even seen it the last two weeks. Exactly. The Australian media made it out to be, you know, she's the star Huge. of the show. Right, and <laughs> she, she hasn't, hasn't been in it. But she hasn't shown up. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then next we go into uh, Charlie in the parking garage. Remember yeah, that scene? That guy. He brings out a razor every time he's in a parking garage. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's it's just crazy. And so we see uh, Charlie with Ken's partner, his lawyer partner, and uh, they're fighting about what happened in the case and how he didn't uh, provide enough lawyer. You know, what is that called? You know, he didn't provide enough. So help me out here. The the lawyer said what you have against me will never hold up do you think it will hold up but mm-hmm. w- what is that do we know it's, it's just blackmail i don't i don't know what do you know exactly what this, was he gay as well did he have i don't think he i don't think so so he said what you have against me is never going to live up to what i have against you so we don't know what that is yet no do we? we don't know what okay. that is all i know is that you know obviously ken and his partner represented charlie in some manner we we know that uh Ken's partner did say that Charlie was doing uh, pimping out. He was doing, like, prostitution and stuff. So we know that, but we don't know, like, any of the details of that. So basically, it's something with Ken and his partner about how they didn't represent Charlie good enough, and he's mad about it. I think maybe it was because since Charlie and uh, Ken were sleeping together... Charlie thought that Ken should have represented him better and given him more leeway, and he wasn't able to, and something happened there that... Something did happen because Charlie keeps coming to the car park thinking he has something over them, so they're going to listen. But that guy stood up to him. He he had enough. Right, and they were t- they specifically said about blackmailing each other. So it's just kind of weird, and I I seriously don't under- like don't understand what but, yeah. what the whole thing is. And I I feel like that's something that we're obviously going to learn, but it's just kind of weird right now. That was because that was- we still don't know why. Charlie's so upset about it. Like, we know he represented him, but that's it. That, that was a convincing moment for the lawyer, calling him a terrible musician, a try-hard I musician. I thought that he was going to go, cut him. like, crazy and just, like, like kill him. And I was, like, scared. And then, like, he just drove away in his Corvette and it was he just, over. Yeah, he gets in the car and he's off. But you know what else is weird is that at the end of that scene, Charlie was yelling at him. He's like, you'll see me do my best. I'm going to do my best. Like, what was that all about? I don't know. Char- Charlie's upset. That was one to the lawyer, zero to Charlie. Right. <laughs> he just, like, drove away in his car. He's like, I'm not even dealing with you, he's dude. Like, I'm like, done with this. This has done. gone long enough. You're a nobody. You're, You're a guy a that, nutcase. that has all these, you know, problem children in your house. Right, right, exactly. And tries to be a musician. What do we care about you? What do we care about you? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So then after that, we kind of go into the presidential election, or it wasn't an election, but it was a presidential event that uh, Grace was at and Sam was at and then Ken and his partner were both at. And then we see, uh, you know, 
Emma or Grace calls the babysitter and says, "Oh, how's Emma doing?" And then you kind of see her trying to sneak out, but then she didn't sneak out because she saw the babysitter on the phone with her mom. And then Grace and Sam start making out, and then Ken and the partner see it. No, I mean just just hold off until the end of the party. I well, mean, show some show uh, some you. show some just patience. Show thank a bit you, of- guy, because I don't understand because. Grace was the one that was so intent on, you know, we're going to live this perfect life, we're going to live this perfect family, and then here she is just making out with Sam. Like, obviously they weren't in the way open, but they were where people could see them. Show some restraint. Right. Just hold it, just wait a couple of hours, wait a day. Especially because uh, Ken's partner doesn't know that they're having all these problems, I'm assuming, and then all of a sudden he sees Ken's wife making out with somebody else, and then she just grabs Ken's arm and they go. Like, it's like, oh, nothing happened. You're right. It was was hypocritical by Grace. Exactly. What she was saying and then how she was acting. Exactly. you just got to think that, I mean, all their heads are everywhere right now. They don't know what's going on. Right. with all the problems they have. Right. And I, do you think Ken even cares that she's having an affair? Well, I mean, at the end, he did yell at her, and he was. she said something, and he was like, do you really want to talk about lying right now? So he kind of threw it back in her face. I really thought he was just doing that to just get back at her in some way. I think he's completely gay and just does not care. I think so, too, but, I mean, he wasn't... I mean, either way, he still was married to her. Like, he still obviously loved her. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if he is gay, it doesn't... You know, it doesn't change the fact that he was married to this woman. He loved her. I mean, they did have a real relationship. But, I mean... You think he loved her? I do think he loved her. Yeah. I mean, they had a child together. Like, he... Sometimes I think it was just a political campaign. It could have been. I mean, that's true. I do think... I feel like at one point they were in love. Well, eh, eh... I take that back. I think that Ken was probably in love with her, but remember in like the first episode, uh, Sam was like, why did you marry him? And she was like, oh, my dad liked him. Yeah, the, <laughs> so the, the, the Republican, the lawyer, the money, the right. course in the 60s. A perfect one you, for yeah, your I girl mean, to marry. Maybe he, maybe he didn't love her. Maybe it was just a cover-up. But I don't know because, you know, they had this family, and I feel like either way they obviously felt something towards each other. And then he did throw it back in her face. He was like, You're, you can't talk to me about lying anymore. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. So then, after that, we kind of move into, we go back to the Peach Pussycat, and then we see the Peach Pussycat. We go back. I'm going to make one of them. I'm going to buy one. They probably patent it. Why wouldn't they? Does it belong in Vegas or somewhere, the Peach Pussycat? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we go back to the Peach Pussycat, and we see Brian outside with Lucille and uh, Jimmy, too, and they're kind of, like, laughing about the fact that Lucille's husband is dead. They're like, oh, what do you call him? And she's like, a dead husband. (laughs) And then, uh, so then we see... Brian is talking to them, and he's like, you know, there's that guy, Charlie, and if you guys ever want to get obliterated, let's go with him. So he's trying to form the connection, like we were saying before, trying to form it right there to bring Jimmy to to Charlie. So something's going to go on with the two of them. Yeah. um, Brian Again, Brian plays the part well, even though he was, you know, drunk or stoned or stumbling his Mm -hmm, words. mm -hmm. And he, he does the whole thing well. And he's getting results. I mean, he found... I mean, Sam should be more thankful. He got the connection to his kid. He's got the connection to man. Brian's, like, he, killing it right now. He, he saved um, Sam from actually killing Manson. He would have Sa- killed him. Sam would not be anywhere if it wasn't for Brian. I think we can all attest to that. Right? I, I like, completely agree. And he's doing the, the dirty, the undercover stuff. Mm-hmm. No one wants to do that job, right? That's the most dangerous job out there. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's what I would think. But he, he's good at it. But I mean, Exactly. I'll save. I, I think he's going to get. I'm going to save for predictions, but okay, I, I, all right. He's going to get into some type of trouble. I think he's going to get found out, or there's something's going to happen. That's know? a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, then we see this part. I really liked too was uh, when Susan Atkins went to the door and pretended to be the classmate. 
of Grace or of uh, Emma to get her out of the house. And I thought that was like, I didn't know who this girl was the entire time. And obviously people that uh, have researched Charlie Manson or anything like that, they know that Susan Atkins was a real life figure that had a huge part to had a played a huge part in the Charlie Manson murders and all the stuff with Charles Manson. So it was kind of funny to me that this girl the entire time we saw her here, we thought that he, she was just a random one, and then she comes to the door and she's like, "Oh, I'm Susan Atkins," and I was like, "Oh my god, it makes sense." Yeah. I thought that was cool to just like throw that piece of history in there and like make the character come to life a little bit. Yeah, I completely missed it. I know Susan Atkins from the reading I've sure. done, mm-hmm. but I just I must have been chewing on some popcorn they provided right, me at the right. time. I just didn't I just didn't register Catch the name. Yeah, but I was thinking. Grace, you idiot, don't let her in, don't let her in. You idiot, you idiot, you idiot, oh, you're right. stupid. But I thought that was good, how they did combine a historical exactly. person into it again. Well, it's kind of, like, wasn't Grace smarter than that? Like, she went to the house, she saw all those girls there, like, I mean, obviously she wouldn't recognize her face, but it's kind of sketchy, and I feel like she, that's something that totally could have been avoided. I mean, Emma would have probably escaped anyways, but. Yeah. Grace is like a yo-yo. She does some smart things. She does some dumb things. She's scatterbrained. She's hypocritical sometimes. She's She doesn't quite know what's going on. And again, I'll come back to the fact that she hates her husband. She loves someone else and her daughter's all over the place. Exactly. exactly. It, it does your head in. It's not the when you grow up, the picture family you want. Is right, it? right. Yeah, so then we kind of move back into, after this, we move back into the Black Panther movement. So we see uh, the cousin of uh, of Cassius, Cool Pepper, and, you know, the police aren't doing anything. Well, the police are trying to get him, but the uh, Black Panther Party won't give him up until they do anything about Michael Unger. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw that. Compl- and again, right. I came to my point earlier that that just wouldn't happen these days. Right. They that- literally stopped him and would not right. give him, turn him over. That part, I actually, like, stopped it and rewound it and watched it again just because I was, like, when I first saw it, I was like, wait, okay, so who is this? Who is this? What's going on with this? And then I rewound it and then I was like, okay, so the Panther Party will not give up this man even though they knew that he had something to do with the murder just because they wanted... To make sure that something was done about Michael Unger's case. Yeah, that, they don't care about that guy. What's his name? Um, what's his name? Do we know? It? I've forgotten it. The guy that the the Hodiat wants to arrest for the murder of um, the guy, the guy that <laughs> ran and got protected. Cool Pepper. Cool Pepper. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool Pepper. That's a cool name. The Black the Black Panthers don't care about Cool Pepper. No, they he's actually they, not technically in their party either. Oh no, they don't care about him. They just want to make the point. That they need to do something about Michael Unger because it's been three this, days. This blackmail thing again. Yeah, you, know, you're, you don't cooperate. We won't cooperate. Exactly, and that, that's the whole thing. Is they they just want to make a point and prove that you know it doesn't matter. We're going to protect anybody just to make sure that you know we get justice for our people. Yeah, and it's, it's so surprising to me that. Sam is so injured. Sam wants this all to be resolved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I thought that he'd just get you know ten police units in and get just wipe them out, and the rest of the guy uh, move on with it. Yeah, exactly. No, so I don't know. That part was a little. It's just crazy, but yeah. I mean, and then we go back into the fact that we see, like we kind of mentioned before, and now we're getting into that fact that uh, Brian saw. Well, that Sam was talking to Lieutenant. And the lieutenant was saying, you know, we're never going to give up the fact that uh, a white cop murdered a teenage uh, black man. We're never going to give that up. And then he was like, you know, we have people very high up protecting Toulson. So I thought that was kind of like, I mean, obviously we knew that the police department was behind him. But he's like, we have people very high up protecting Toulson. So it was like. You yeah. know, Sam didn't even back down. He threatened to go to even higher sources to get to get the justice. But 
I was like, I was almost thinking, just just leave it alone. Just, right. You're going to get yourself in more trouble here. This is exactly this is politics you're getting into. This is right. uh, higher up in the right. So I think just here again, we see you know everything that goes on with the with the police in this time in the '60s, going into the '70s. You know what what they're all about, who they care about protecting. You know, I feel like that was a really pivotal thing that and happened. Without admitting that Tolson murdered him. He virtually admitted it. Exactly. So he didn't actually say he did it, but he said, you will not... No, yeah, you're you will, spot on. You're not touching him. You're not questioning him. I don't mm-hmm. want anything to do with this. You're protecting your fellow officer. Right, right. Yeah, and then, I mean, what I think was one of the most important parts of the entire episode, we go into uh, Sam seeing his son, Walt, for the first time. So I thought, that, I mean, that part in general was just... Crazy because we find out we well we find out a lot of stuff we find out that uh, he left the military because he saw that illegal stuff was going on you know they were doing things in Cambodia that they shouldn't have been uh, they were having there was a lot of casualties and just I mean what did you think about that whole scene with Walt and his dad I mean it was so interesting because all of a sudden you have Sam is in a similar situation to Grace. They have, right. both have children that could get themselves into some serious trouble here. Right. How do you handle it? Mm-hmm. Walt thinks that he's going to be a hero mm-hmm. by turning to the press and right. saying the U.S. government's doing like illegal warfare, mm-hmm. which I don't even know if you can do illegal. Is war illegal? I don't know. But by killing children right. in Cambodia, when actually if he says something like that, He's still classified as a traitor. Right. The uh, You don't mess with the government back then. That will turn it completely around on him. He will get arrested. He'll go to jail. And Sam knows that. Sam knows that. So Sam knows and is trying to convey in the best way possible, how do I educate my son? You exactly. just can't go doing this. You might think you're a hero by standing up for human rights. Right. But it doesn't work like this, you know? Yeah. This is your own personal welfare at stake here. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. He, he was loving, he was touching him, he was rubbing right. his face, but he was also trying to. Well, he was trying to tell him point. too because, you know, Walt's sitting here, he's like, you know, there's saturation bombings and uh, we're, we're killing children and civilizations and he's really trying to, you know, do the right thing and he's like, I don't want to kill these people, I want to. And Walt's kind of like, that's what war is, you mm. know, and he says, he's like, Walt, I'm sorry, but that's what. Or Sam says that he goes, Well, I'm sorry, that's what that's what war is. And he's like, I'm not taking part in this. I know they're gonna call me a traitor. And Sam's like, please, please, please don't do this. Like, it's gonna be terrible for you. Your life is gonna be ruined. And Walt's just not having it. He's like, We cannot talk about it. But then at the end, you know, we kind of see that uh Walt's like, Let me let me help you. Let me be a part of this and I'll I'll help you, you know, help yourself and not go to the press and just figure out your own way. And Walt's like, I don't know if you can help me. Yeah, so, I, mean, I don't know what's going to happen with that. What does he think going to the press? I don't. I think he knows he'll be in trouble, but I don't think he knows the exact amount of trouble he'll be in because he's he's virtually that's classified information. Right. He's, well, it seems he's like he's, he's a little naive too because he's like very naive. It, right. Well, he's like uh, the president. I, I have to tell everybody that the president is lying to the American people. Come and, on. And Walt's like, um, son, I'm sorry, but the president lies to the American people every day. Like that's part of his job. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. What What do you think is going to happen there? You... I think I don't. Walt's going to get himself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, he, he's the problem. Well, he joined. Too. I mean, he joined the movement, the anti-war movement. So it's like he was in the military. He was there fighting, and then he joined the movement. And it's like something's going to come crashing down there and because that's not something that you can just do. And it comes down to Sam. Sam's ex-wife is also stupid, naive, listening to her son and getting him out straight away, and mm-hmm. 
you know, if it's, it could cause all sorts of propaganda. Exactly. Just so Sam's got himself, Sam's got that to worry about. Mm-hmm. Sam's in all sorts right now. Right. You know, he's drinking again. Grace is abusing him. He's got his son. Mm-hmm. He's just beat the hell out of Manson. Right. He would have killed him if Brian didn't save him. Oh, my him. God. He's got, he's got some issues there, too, right now. Exactly. So what do we got? Seven, eight episodes for this all to be resolved? Yeah, yeah, basically. Come on, um, it's episode five already. I know, I know. Um, yeah, so then, I mean, we kind of go into the last scene where Emma's gone. And, you know, uh, Grace is just kind of ripping on both Ken and Sam. And she's like... Sam, you never do anything right. You failed again. Blah, blah. You, like, every time I try to have you do something, you fail. And then we see that Sam starts drinking again. And Sam previously was sober before this. And now he was sitting there at his bar and he had his glass and then he poured it and he kind of looked at it and then he just downed it real quick. And we were like, that was the first of many. And he's just going back into an old spiral now. So I think that's going to be interesting how that plays out. What did Sam do wrong? I mean, he went and got Emma. He got a former detective to watch her the whole time. And ultimately, it was Grace that screwed up. Thank it was you. all Grace's fault. And she's completely laid into him, calling him a failure, brought back past memories. We're going to find out how Sam was a failure. Right. Soon. She says that she said, too, that he always lies. So, and, oh, that's what she said. You know, I, you always lie. And then that's when Ken said, you can't talk about lying right now. And it's obviously true, too, because, you know, it's like you let things slide if they're not true. You don't really care. Like, you can say that. You're just temperamental. You're right. upset. But if something hits deep in you, mm-hmm. it triggers past behavior, which is his drinking. So he just started exactly. drinking. That well, was all Grace's fault. Well, that's what I'm kind of confused about. Why is Grace, like, I mean, obviously she's upset, extremely upset, and she just needs someone to take it out on, I'm assuming. But, like, what really, like, deep down like did does she think that Sam did well, that, like what does she think that he did because she's the one that let her let her in the house no she, she knows he did nothing she knows it was her fault okay but as far as i see it the reason they're not together is something happened in the past like that that made them not be together right and she just lost it realized she stuffed up and decided to take it out because she still loves Sam. okay so she knows that he didn't do anything wrong in this situation yeah she just completely lost it and then she started thinking about the past i think and how they were together and how they should be together and not and the kid and this and that and i think she just completely started calling him a failure right he didn't do anything well i don't think so well maybe there was something that he did i don't don't know i didn't didn't even say anything that she didn't say when she was yelling at him you did this she's Right. Like, you're a failure. You're a failure. You've always been a failure at life. You're that's all you are. And she started off saying, you know, how could I have let her in? So we kind of she's she admitted that she let her in, but I don't I don't understand. She did. How, that was the weird thing about it. Well, at she, first I thought she said, "How did you let her in?" And I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, rewind." I was like, "How did she?" And then I was like, "Okay, she knows that she let her in." And it wasn't anybody else's fault, but then she still went off on everybody. I think she's just under so much stress, like you said, that she just she, can't she handle just it. She just snapped. I mean, I've been snapped at by women for no fault. Exactly. It just, it just I mean, happens. it just happens. But you've got, you've got. But then he shouldn't give up his whole sobriety just for that. Like she's just snapping him because she's upset for a minute. Like and that's why it's a deeper issue with Sam. Something serious happened. Otherwise, you'd just be like, oh, she's just emotional. Get over it. Right. Let's go. He actually started drinking, and then he nearly killed Manson and ruined his life. And I feel like it really, I mean, gets to him because he does really love. Grace. I mean, no matter everything that happened, they love each other so much, and it's just really hard for him, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to find out what why they aren't together. Yeah. Maybe it was the dad that thought he was a failure, Grace's dad, and sort of the Republican, the politician, the lawyer, the whole money. Right. I don't know. But I think we'll find something out. 
Well, let's just say thank God for Brian because he definitely saved Sam. Literally. From, literally he, saved him. But he also saved Charles Manson's life and lots of stuff could have been avoided if that was, <laughs> wouldn't have, if that I, would I think he was one more right hook oh from my God. killing him. And then we saw Charles at the end and he was just like, Ugh, like completely dead. Just alive. dead. And the, all the girls were screaming like, oh my God. <laughs> like you're crazy. But, alright, so I think now, you know, we kind of went through the episode and I think we should get into predictions. As do I. Alright. Predictions. All right. So, what do you think is going to happen? You first. Well, I'm, I'm going to focus, like I said earlier, on Brian. Brian's now sort of he's going to be the hero mm-hmm. that saved Manson's life, and everyone's going to be worshiping him too. And I don't know if Manson's going to get jealous of it, even though he saved his life, or or people are going to people might get involved in Manson's camp might get jealous of Brian mm-hmm. because he's having all the accolades and stuff mm-hmm. and start looking into him a bit more and digging a bit deeper. Okay. And I think his cover will be blown. He's going to have Ooh. a lot of people after him. Sam's going to have to come into bat for him. He's going to have to go into hiding or something. I think Brian's world's about to blow up somehow. Now, the people that watch the episodes, and this didn't happen, are laughing at me right now, but this is my prediction. I don't know if Manson's people are that smart, like that they're going to be like, let's research this guy. I mean, the first time he went into... I don't think like, they're smart, but I think they're so crazy about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think that now... Well, it could go either way, but I think that now... That he, like, went off on Charles Manson, almost killed him. I think that Charles is going to go back and try to take revenge on Sam. Yeah, yeah. You think? Yeah, we sort of know that's going to happen. We saw it in the commercials at the end. I didn't see the commercials at the end. Oh, well, your prediction's right. It's, it's oh, all about, well, my it's prediction's all about, right. It's all about oh my revenge. Gosh. I want revenge. That's I want so revenge great. on Hodiak. I, I mean, I, I think I predicted that before the commercials came out. But What's the end tip called? Um, next week. What's the coolest word for it? Yeah, like the sneak peek for next week. Yeah. So that's, well, that's my prediction, and I know it's right already. <laughs> and um, I do think that's, not, I mean, Brian's definitely going to be worshipped by the entire crew, so. Is he now a hero? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to wait and see. And, I mean, for those of you that watched it already, don't tell us. Don't spoil it in the comments. Imagine someone just spoils it. Oh, my gosh, don't. Please. Please don't spoil it. Anyways, thank you guys so much for watching uh, episode five of Aquarius. We appreciate you watching and listening. And, uh, you know, remember to rate, subscribe, everything. Uh, I'm Paige Bonanno. I'm your host. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Paige Bonanno. Follow me on Twitter, at Guy and a Girl Show. See you guys. Thank you. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.